Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, talk and talk. Alright, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. Alright, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Feeling It. Each week on this show, we like to share what pieces of pop culture we're really feeling. Whatever show, movie, song, or tech, we just can't get out of our heads. In addition to those picks, this week we'll be talking about The Discovery, a Netflix original film from writer-director Charlie McDowell. But before we get started with all of that, let's introduce ourselves, and when we do, let's answer the question, if you could pick one fictional universe to exist in as an afterlife, what would it be? I'm Lawson Soward. I'm an art director living in Nashville, Tennessee, and if I could pick one fictional universe to exist in as an afterlife, I would pick the universe of Fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh, how lovely would that be? It would just be so delightful. Yeah. Well, I'm Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee. And um, I think I would choose, like, Before Sunrise. Just, like, an endless existence of, like, walking oh, yeah. and talking and, like, the beautiful street, cobble streets, you know? With yeah. like, a handsome stranger. That sounds wonderful. Yeah. That's a good situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, normally we have... Um, one of our co-hosts with us, Lucas, but Lucas is unfortunately not be able to make the episode tonight, so um, it'll just be you and me tonight, Lawson. Yeah, we'll miss him, but we'll make do, I guess. We'll, we'll do. We'll, we'll be able. <laughs> Without uh, all that negativity, I don't know what we're going to do. Is just going to be boundless enthusiasm? I don't know. Right. <laughs> I'll, I'll be a little extra cynical tonight to balance it out. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Great. Thanks for letting me. So Lawson, what are you feeling this week? This week, I'm feeling a new track off of the upcoming album Planetarium uh, by Sufjan Stevens. He's collaborating with Bryce Dessner, Nico Mully, and James McAllister. And the song is called Saturn. Um, I'm not sure, but I would imagine that the album Planetarium is going to have a song for each of the planets. So kind of like a completion of his uh, publicity something about doing an album uh, or a song about every state a while back. Um, and if this is any indication, this is going to be some of my favorite works that John has ever put out, which is amazing right off the heels of Carrie and Lowell, which was just a work of complete dark beauty. It was so, so gorgeous album of an album. Um, but I can't stop listening to this song. This is one of those, a lot of times I really burn a song out and, or try to burn a song out. And if it doesn't burn out, then that's how I know that it's like a song that's going to be with me forever. And that's what this has been. I've just listened to it on repeat over and over and over. Um, there's a lot of really cool imagery and, uh, the lyrics are just really, really beautiful. Um, it starts off really soft and builds into this like cacophony of sound um, it has a lot of allusions to, uh, Goya's oil mural, Saturn devouring his son, um, which I don't know if you've seen that, Sandra, it's like that really iconic piece of, uh, art where there's like this really crazed looking guy, like biting off what looks like a doll. Have you seen that? He's like staring at you. I have. Okay. It, I stuck with me forever when I saw it. Um, and so whenever he started singing these lyrics about it, um, he has some lyrics like the youngest of children, a cannibal addiction, innocent victim, bite mark body part. And it's just so evocative and incredible. Um, another thing that I love about this song is um, how it, it kind of talks from the perspective of a God that knows it's evil and yet continues to be worshiped. Um, and kind of the, or this is my interpretation anyway. When I hear it, I hear a God that knows it's evil and continues to be worshiped and tries to deal with that within itself. Like, why do you keep worshiping me? Like, what, what do I do with this situation? And, but just 
wanting to take everything that's good and make it bad. Um, taking the mythology of the Greek god Saturn and applying it in a wholly interesting way, um, I thought was a really cool device to talk about the planet Saturn going through this planetarium album. So uh, without any more ado, I want to play y'all a little clip of this and encourage you to go listen to the rest of it uh, in its entirety. It'll be on our Feeling It Spotify playlist. that uh, Sufjan has before more than something like Illinois or uh, Carrie and Lowell. But that chorus, tell me I'm evil, tell me I'm not the name of love, tell me I'm evil, tell me I'm not the face of God is so haunting and infectious and incredible. And I'm obsessed with the song. It's the best. <laughs> I'm so excited to see Sufjan doing music specifically alluding to like... um space and things that are not of this world because when I got to see Sufjan perform it was very clear to me that like he is not of this world and (laughs) so I'm just kind of glad that he's like owning up to that reality that like I'm not a human (laughs) I don't belong here so let's finally like address that fact. (laughs) Sandra you're right that has gone unaddressed far too long. He's some kind of angelic alien that has (laughs) graced us with his musical prowess. Oh, man. So is there any word, Lawson, or do you know of when a new album might be coming out? Yes. So this album is dropping June 9th this summer. So it'll have a ton of different tracks, ton of different collaborators. Um, I can't wait. I think the beat... The way that the beat drops on this song, I think this album is going to be a Sufjan record with a bunch of bangers, which is a combination I didn't know I wanted and now I need. Yeah, that sounds perfect for the summer. Yeah, so look out for June 9th. Well, thank you so much for bringing that to our attention, Lawson. Um, what I'm feeling this week is a book by Darcy Wilder. I'm really like changing it up this week and, and talking about the written word instead of <laughs> I love it. A, a movie or a TV show. Um, Darcy Wilder is a, to me, she, most people might not know her just by that name, um, but to me she's this really impressive figure because as a social media manager, I really like to follow... Um, social media managers that run major brand accounts and do it in a way that I think is really clever and impressive. Um, Darcy runs social for the MTV News Twitter account and then other MTV News facets. Oh, wow. Um, And if anyone has paid attention to the MTV News Twitter account, it's not run like any other corporate account. Um, They give her almost complete free reign to say whatever she wants on that account. Um, And it really pays off for them because her comedic abilities and tone and um, no like bullshit attitude towards writing on the internet is so fun and refreshing. So I was a fan of the MTV news Twitter account. And from that, I learned that Darcy's, Uh, was the person behind the genius of it. And I started following her personal Twitter account where it's, you know, everything she does on MTV News turned up to 100. And um, her personal Twitter account, let me see if I can get this right, because it, one of the, again, one of the genius behind her humor is that um, her username is at... Three 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 four three 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 three. I think I said that right, but I could have gotten the number of threes wrong. So, I mean, there's a lot more margin for error. It would be well within the realm. Well, I'll retweet something from her 
you know, in the next few days. So you Why can... is that genius besides just being like your parents' Wi-Fi password? It's genius because she's a genius and she's so funny. Um, <laughs> and that and just making that your Twitter username is hilarious. Um, so Darcy wrote a book recently that I purchased and I was really excited to read. The book is titled Literally Show Me a Healthy Person, a novel. Now, great title. It is a great title. This book, in my opinion, is not a novel. Um, I, un- res- this book is really more to me like Twitter poetry. Um, it's segmented into short sentences for the majority of the book, and it reads more like again the ramblings of a millennial on Twitter, which she is, or more accurately, I think, it's like the unfiltered notes section on, like, a damaged, drunk girl's iPhone. Um, So if you found just, like, this girl that was, like, really dark and, um, but also very funny and strange, and you just took her phone away and read through her entire notes section on her phone without, like, any editing. That's what this book is. Wow. And, and I had so much fun reading it. There's not really a structure to it. There's obviously themes that are that come up throughout the entire book. The boys she's dated, the drugs she's tried, the alcohol she's tried, the um, what it's like growing up in New York City. Um, and then the most important thing that recurs through the book is, like, the death of her mother. Um, so these things are talked about and referenced constantly, but there's not really a narrative to follow. There's no plot. There's no, um, there's very few recurring characters. Um, it's also unclear how much of this is fiction or not. And I really like how, that I don't know if this is a fictional piece of work or not. Um, I'm going to read, when I was reading this book, um, It's so clever, and again, it's broken into these short, unrelated sentences that every time um, I came across one that really made me laugh or I really resonated with, I would put a star next to it. And by the end of the book, pretty much every single page had two or three stars on them. Some of them, you know, the whole page was just stars. So I'm going to read some of my favorite little pieces from this book. Again, sometimes these are one after another. Sometimes they're in random pages. Um, There's not really a rhyme or reason to the order. The girl in the bathroom line said I was beautiful, but then said I looked like I needed to hear it. My future self and my past self are on the same page, but my current self is still texting you. Is it more embarrassing to want a boyfriend or to want a fuck? I have an IUD, but I let him buy plan B just to feel ca- just to feel cared for. In the morning, he turned over and said, why did you let me do that? My body is a temple in a bad neighborhood. And those are just a few that like, I was just like, yes, I understand that feeling or oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, those um, are gems. Yeah. And again, I love how weird and messed up this like storytelling device is. I also really, one thing I really love about this book is that sh- how graphic she gets. She talks about um, seeing dead bodies. She talks about bodily excrements. She talks about um, in detail sex and drug use and um a lot of just very gross graphic things. She talks about cockroaches in really gross ways. Um, I It's so refreshing to see, like, this um, gross nature dis- displayed, especially in a book um, by, like, a young woman when that is often discouraged. Um, so I really loved this book. I really people i would encourage people to go follow her on twitter and then check this book out that's like i've never heard of a, a novel or i guess it's a uh, novel is kind of a misnomer but i have not heard of a book being released like that yeah i don't that you know really it's interesting. very specifically labeled a novel which is confusing and i can't tell if that's a joke or not you know like right. is she joking about the fact that this is called a novel when it's obviously not or does she truly mean it to be a novel and once isn't telling us like 
this isn't just ramblings. This is actually a story I want you to try to follow and figure out. Yeah, like um, there's a cipher in here somewhere. Right. I honestly don't know the answer, but I don't care because I like the writing <laughs> so much. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Sandra. Thank you. Well, um, before we get on to our main topic, we have a little bit of news that we wanted to cover. This yes. week, the trailer for Thor Ragnarok came out. And um, Lawson and I were both really excited about it. So, Lawson, first impressions of this trailer, what has you the most excited about it? Oh, my gosh. Uh, The use of Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin gave this feeling, gave this trailer a feeling unlike any other Marvel trailer. Like, it, it made me, reminded me the most of something like Guardians of the Galaxy, which was exciting because it made me think like, okay, they're kind of merging these worlds a little bit. They're making them more uh, goofy and interesting. And when they go out into the universe, they're really having fun with that. But the seeing the Marvel Studios turn into the LED outline and fade out like 80s style, um, him starting off with a monologue about like, this is an interesting, like you're wondering how I got into this situation. It just looks so fun. It looks like it has more personality in its uh direct in its direction and in its script than like a lot of marvel movies that have already been made especially thor 2 yeah the thor movies have always been fine like right i i've never disliked them but i've also never like had any sort of strong affection for them other than the actors in them. You know, I, I have a strong affection for Tom Hiddleston and his performance as Loki. Um, and I like Chris Hemsworth and his performance as Thor. But again, these stories never truly grabbed me and I can't wait for this movie. Um, I love that this movie seems to have like a great sense of humor from that opening line, you know, that play on the trope of, I guess you're wondering how I ended up in this situation. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's a trope in movies. It's become a meme on Twitter. Um, I loved seeing like starting off that trailer with that line. Um, and that shot, that shot of that, like chained up body falling through the sky was oh, really beautiful. cool. Yeah. Um, I'm also, like I said, we are, Lawson, did you see um, Hunt for the Wilder People? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And I loved it. I love this director. That's another reason I'm so excited. Yeah. So this is from the director of Thor Ragnarok directed Hunt for the Wilder People. And we all really loved that movie. And it just is the perfect fit of really fun action that is like a blend of both visually exciting but also campy from what it seems like from this trailer paired with that great sense of humor which is exactly what this thor franchise needed um you know kenneth branagh i know directed the first thor movie i believe he directed the second one um and kenneth branagh brought like this family shakespearean drama element to this like wacky space universe and I think that was like necessary for again for that like first entry. But now that we've like kind of explored that, I'm really ready for just an adventure that is um taking advantage of like the crazy visual styles that this space um royal universe provides. I totally agree. I feel like Thor has always been the Avenger that Marvel was just like, oh, of course we have the rights to the superhero. Nobody was doing anything with it and uh, I guess we should make a movie so that now we can have a franchise. Like, it, it seemed like the, the thing they had to do to get to the Avengers more than it being something that there was a lot of demand for out there. And so I've always been confused as to why they hadn't taken more risks with Thor as a franchise because they have so much liberty with it. Um, and seeing this just feels like the right call. It feels like um, it's moving in a more, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, Deadpool direction where it's just okay with having a really distinct voice really goofy characters um i love seeing jeff goldblum pop up in this trailer sure. like he's always so interesting whenever he's on screen so i i cannot wait i think this is i mean i just trailer so it's doing its job but i think this is in the running to be up there with guardians of the galaxy as far as my ranking for marvel movies yeah 
I'm this trailer has me most excited about Kate Blanchett as the villain. Yes. Pulling out like a full Rita Repulsa vibe from like mm-hmm. this year's Power Rangers movie. Um and I also am incredibly excited about Tessa Thompson. She is some an actress that I've always had my eye out for. And um, she doesn't have, like, a lot of dialogue in this trailer. Nobody really does. Um, but just the, the moments that she's on screen in the trailer have me pumped. Yeah, she's incredible in everything. I love her. And I am so stoked that it looks like, even though Thor 2 had a really dumb villain thor's loki has always been the best villain within the marvel universe and the cinematic universe and so it really looks like kate blanchett might kind of fall into that same might get that same benefit of the thor franchise getting a another juicy villain because an actor of that caliber could really do something right well we're incredibly excited um i i'm when is when does that come out is it this summer this November, I think. This November. Oh, we have so much time to wait. I know. I've already watched the trailer like 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Well, are you ready to talk about the discovery? Let's do it. Though I cannot see, I can hear. Her smile as she sings. Though I cannot see, writer-director Charlie McDowell. Lawson, you saw his first film, The One I Love, correct? Yes, I love that movie. I thought it was great. If you haven't seen The One I Love, you gotta go see it, like, really fast. Oh, yeah. It it is um, this small, incredibly small indie movie. It stars Elizabeth Moss and Mark Duplass, and for the majority of the film, they are the only two actors in the film. Um, and it's this amazing look at a marriage and, you know, reigniting a romance. And uh, it has this sci-fi um, spin on it that is so compelling. And it was just this incredible directorial debut. And mm-hmm. that movie alone has had me so excited for whatever's next from this writer-director. Um, so when I heard that the discovery was coming out at Sundance. I was very excited to hear buzz about that. And then we found out that Netflix bought the Discovery to um, have exclusive rights to stream it on its service. Um, So we watched that this week. And let me pull up the Netflix description for this, the Discovery. Yeah, the description for this movie and knowing that it was Charlie McDowell directing it was enough to get me incredibly excited to see it because it's such a captivating premise. It says, A love story set one year after the existence of afterlife is scientifically verified. It stars Jason Siegel, Rooney Mara, Robert Redford, Robert Redford, and Jesse Plemons, amongst um, a lot of other really great performers. Um I don't think that it is too much of a spoiler to say that this movie deals with suicide in an extreme way. Um, The basic plot is that once the existence of an afterlife is scientifically proven, um, suicide numbers go skyrocket globally. And this story is about um, these specific characters living in that world. Um, So, Lawson... Yes. What are your general thoughts on the discovery? We we don't want to give away too many spoilers other than what we just said. Um, so you know, kind of what? How do you feel about the movie just generally? Yes. So generally, I came into this movie as I said that um, I came into this movie knowing that the general description based on the trailer and what I had heard and knowing that it was Charlie McDowell, and I was very ready to love it. Um, And I also love a lot of the talent that was in this, and I think um, they did a a really great job. All this to say, I came into it really looking forward to it. And um, I think the movie 
did well and explored some really interesting questions. Um, for me, it didn't quite land um, as much as I would have wanted it to. It didn't feel like it um, completely paid off um, the premise it had. It was a very ambitious and interesting premise. Um, and I think it did a lot of things that were were cool. And I was um, really glad a movie like this uh, was made and explored. But um, but overall, I just, I don't, I think that the way that they explored these particular characters um, didn't, didn't quite pay off thematically um, for how, how big of a, an idea it was. Um, it's, it's hard to get, talk about it too much without getting into spoilers, but I think that was my, my overall impression was that it was, um, it was a great idea and parts of it were really great, but it didn't fully do it for me. What about you? Yeah, you know, I've heard similar criticism um, from other people. And I would have to say that, like, hearing that, I don't think you're wrong. I think that this movie does have, like, this big grand idea. And there's all this potential to, like, really submerge a story and, like, what are all the possibilities of, like, a world where this kind of story exists? And, um, and, or, or, or like how, how could these characters like really reckon with this world, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, I think for me that it doesn't, you know, it doesn't do that. It really focuses on these very small storylines. Um, and I'm really okay with that. And I think that that's just a matter of like personal opinion and personal, like, um, taste. I happen to really love movies that are about very small stories, specifically if they're about love stories, which this one is. Mm -hmm. um, and so the idea of like this grand, um, like scientific plot line that's happening kind of in the background of a very small story about two very sad people um, is really right up my alley. So while, whenever I hear that kind of criticism about like some of the science not landing right or maybe some aspects of the ending not really making all the sense that it could have, <laughs> um, yes. I, I acknowledge that and I respect those opinions. But at the same time, I had such a wonderful time with this movie. Um, just spending time with like these ideas in the limited amount that we got with them and spending time with like these characters finding each other. Um, so I really, really enjoyed it, but I recognize that it's, it's definitely not a perfect movie. It's no yeah. like, um, arrival where you're kind of just like blown oh, yeah, away no. by the concepts and the story and the, and the scope of everything. Um, this is a tiny indie movie. And I think people, I think if this was made with a different set of actors, people would be a lot more impressed by it in a way. Um, I'm not saying it would like people would be heralding it as amazing or anything, but I think because it has these huge, big actors like Rooney Mara and Robert Redford and Jason Siegel, we expected it to be a grander story, or at least maybe I, that's something that I went in with it, an expectation. Mm -hmm. um, I just imagine a world in which this exact movie with this exact script and visual storytelling was made with some lesser known actors and you watched it on Netflix, I think people would be like, this is the next coherence or like, um, sure. Is, yeah. You know, another earth or like people would be like really freaking out about like how, what a cool indie movie this was. But instead, because it's like with these big name actors and because it's super anticipated from this indie director who had this amazing directorial debut, um, it has it had a higher bar to kind of cross. And for some people, it might not have. For me, I'm very comfortable with, like, its smallness. Yeah. I totally hear what you're saying there. And I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, 
I, for me, more than the, the thing I didn't quite mesh with, and I think you're right, like, it could just be because there's these big actors there. I think I did go in with a little bit higher bar initially, but whenever the movie started and I kind of realized that it was going to have a smaller scope, I was like, oh, okay, cool. Kind of like the one I love. I loved that that was just the smallest scope. Like we mentioned, you know, it only has two actors for the majority of it. And I love movies like that. That's one of the things I love about um, cinema in general, Um, especially low-budget movies, is whenever it chooses to live kind of within its means, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I have this much money, I have this much script, I have an hour and a half, let's do this, as opposed to a big, long uh, AMC series or something like that. Um, I think where the the misalignment for me was between uh, the premise and... uh, and the payoff wasn't so much like there wasn't enough world building or something like that, mm-hmm. as much as it was um, in the one I love, they, I, I don't want to spoil anything about the one I love, because if you're listening to this, I really want you to go watch it, but there's a sci-fi element in it where, um, it, yet. Some, yeah, no, I'm not going to say, but like they reveal a certain amount they reveal a certain amount of what's going on mm-hmm. and they could have revealed or talked about a lot more of the mechanics right? Um, or a lot less. And in that one, they opted kind of on the side of less, which I really appreciated because that movie is above all else about the relationships that were going on. And I felt like that was also what was going on in The Discovery was that it was really a movie about the relationships in, in this family uh, and the relationship between uh, Jason Segel and Rooney Marnie's character, character in particular, but um, all of their, all of their uh, interplay as characters and a couple of other great supporting actors. Um, and I wish that they had spent less time almost talking about all of the the implications of things and trying to make everything kind of scientifically line up because they, in doing that, I think it pushed the movie and my perception towards something that was trying to be bigger than it was. Hmm. So like if you're doing, if you're saying all of this um, stuff, if you're putting a lot of pseudoscience into something and you're, um, you know, talking about, something uh, like discovering the afterlife a year later and all of the things that happened about it and showing certain elements of that. I felt like the things that they chose to show did not do more work towards emotionally supporting the characters that mattered. I felt like there was a a good amount of screen time that was about um, setting up rules that then didn't line up or... um, showing technology that was just kind of confusing and muddied and then it ends up getting into uh an understanding of the afterlife that just seems really confusing because they spent so much time setting up these rules that didn't seem to line up and i was like if they had maybe just like pulled back a little bit on those rules i might have been able to and spent that time focusing on the characters i might have uh been able to just enjoy what was going on with them and not be like, wait, but you just messed up my suspension of disbelief. Um, So yeah, I I wouldn't, I think you're right. I think this movie and something like Coherence, which I just saw recently and loved, are very similar. It's like, if you worry too much about the nitty gritty, they don't quite line up, but uh, with Coherence, it's a bunch of unknown actors and it's a really cool and interesting thing and you see what happens and it's all about like this kind of thought experiment. and I think that you do that because they spend enough time on the kind of sci-fi hook and then the rest of it is all you getting to know these people. And I felt like the discovery would have really benefited from, like you're saying, having a smaller like a smaller scale cast and spending more time on that cast instead of setting up rules that didn't quite work. Okay, that being said, um, I, I want to make it clear that I, even though I brought that up, that, like, if this had, like, a lesser-known cast, it might have, like, received more, garnered more praise, um, I love the cast that this movie has. Oh, Um, for sure. 
I Robert Redford is, of course, incredible in it. I haven't seen a ton of dramatic work from Jason Segel. Um, I saw uh, the is it the end of the trip? I think is the movie he did with Jesse Eisenberg. Um, yes, that sounds right. Um, where he played David Foster Wallace, I loved him in that. Um, but other than these two, I don't know if he's done much other dramatic work. Or At the end of the tour. Sorry. End of the tour. Thank you. Um, so I really enjoyed seeing him in this role. I have such an affection for him. And this movie is, I, I don't want to call it depressing, but the people in this movie are dealing with a lot of grief and sadness. It's a pretty melancholy world. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think the movie itself is depressing, but I think it's dealing with, like, very depressed people. Um, and Jason Siegel, I was, as I was watching it, I was commenting that he just, like, does such a good job at looking sad. Like, I, his face is just <laughs> kind of made to look sad. Um, it's, I just watched Forgetting Sarah Marshall again this weekend, and he, like, his sad faces in that movie are devastating. <laughs> right. So, like, even when he's doing full frontal, you're like, that poor guy. <laughs> I really appreciated him as kind of the protagonist in this movie. And, of course, Rooney Mara is, like, amazing and talented and magnetic. Um, Jesse Plemons is incredible. One person I didn't mention that I loved in this is Riley Keough. She's becoming, like, an actress that I am so excited to see pop up in all these different movies. Um, she doesn't have a major role in this one. But every time she's on screen, I'm very excited about it. And um, I just can't wait for her to... Everything I've seen her in, she's been kind of a supporting character. Um, except for the TV show where she is the protagonist. Um, and She was amazing in American Honey. Yeah. she Right. And so I'm really looking forward to her getting like a leading role because she has the talent and the looks and the presence um, to really command a movie. So I, I'm excited to see what that movie is when she finally gets it. Yeah. I'd be into that too. Yeah. So is there anything you else you wanted to say about this movie before we go into spoilers? Um, I think before, if you're listening to this before spoiling it one way or the other, I would say... It's worth watching. I don't know. I enjoyed it. I think it is worth watching. It's on Netflix. Like, if you have Netflix, you, you're not paying anything extra. I think it's worth that. Um, but I think if you, you know, if you are only going to pick one Charlie McDowell movie to watch, then go watch the one I love. But I think this one is, was really good and was worth watching. Um, I would agree with you about that point of if you only are going to pick one of those, definitely pick <laughs> the one I love. I think the one I love is a stronger film. And I think the one I love, like, was had me on the edge of my seat and was shocking and compelling and heartbreaking. And this movie is not up to that level. but It's, it's a lot slower. Yeah. Um, but it is still, I still really loved spending time with it. Um, I would say definitely, like, if you are a big fan of those other movies I mentioned, like Another Earth and Coherence, um, and some other movies that we'll probably mention in the spoilers, um, then this like is the type of movie that um, you, you're going to want to check out. It's part of my genre fave of like tech affected romance, you know, and this is not so much tech as it is sci-fi, but it kind of still falls into that category. And so, I will, go ahead. I was just going to say, if you have seen the San Junipero episode of Black Mirror from season three, which is... My favorite season, my favorite episode of the entire series. I say, even if you don't watch Black Mary, even if it freaks you out and seems like it's not your thing, watch San Junipero. You will love it. Um, but if you have already seen that and you already know you love it, I think The Discovery is a really interesting, it's like in the same realm of the questions that that plays around with and explores it in a very different thematic way that I think... Yeah. It's just really worth exploring and thinking through. So That's a great point. Yeah, it's All right. wonderful. Well, let's talk about spoilers. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. No, cracking gas. Spoilers! Remember, you wanted this. So, let's start just with the ending, Lawson. Yeah. 
I was very unsatisfied with the ending. I wanted to like it, but it just, it felt like a much, it felt like they were trying to do a kind of eternal sunshine of the spotless mind thing a little bit, where it was like, you're... A you're lot of it, I would a say. A lot of, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's even on a beach. I mean, it's just very, like, you know, going through these different iterations of your life and memory and all this stuff, and with this one person, but it was really well explained in uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and in this movie, I didn't understand why any of it was happening. Like, Rooney Mara started talking because she was part of his subconscious for a minute about how everything worked, and it just, it didn't... I watched this movie very early in the morning, and so I was like, maybe it was just me. Like, maybe I was just a little drowsy, and I didn't quite get it, so then I went back and rewatched it, and I was like, no, that just doesn't... It's just really quick, and it doesn't make a ton of sense. And it's one of those things where I was like, if you didn't spend so much time trying to explain this and spent more time leaning into the mystery of it, I might have just been able to uh, enjoy this kind of jump through alternate realities for the emotional impact of it. But because it was trying to do... It was trying to be, like, all tied in and make sense, and it didn't, I was really thrown off. I would say that I didn't love the execution of this ending, but I still loved the ending. Um, I loved like the ideas that the ending was like bringing forth to this movie. So yeah, like um, the idea that like when you die, you are transported into an alternate reality of your life in which you get to try to fix you're like one of your life's biggest mistakes and and you just keep reliving that life in different ways until you get it right i think that's such a beautiful concept um i think it's beautiful i also think it's like kind of terrifying like you could see you could really look at that in different ways you could say like how lovely and gorgeous that like all the afterlife is is just like second chances and we get to make things right. But you can also look at it in like a horrifying way of that like the afterlife is you just over living the same life over and over again, making the same mistake over and over again. Right. <laughs> like it's Groundhog Day, like a karmic wheel of Groundhog Day. I, it just, and it kind of implies that there is a right way, which... Yeah doesn't add up like what is is the right way whenever you avoid all pain ever like you can only ever know your own experience and so even if you can definitively know that you did something that hurt someone and you're like okay i'm going to go back and undo that like there are countless things that you might have done every day that hurt people you just didn't know about or you do not go back and do those i don't know i kind of viewed it as like it's when you write you do achieve something you wish you would have achieved so or like right it or wrong. And so that is obviously like a very personal thing. So like, for instance, it's not that like he saved her from dying. It's that he saved her from killing herself. You know what I mean? And th- and that's kind of touched on in the movie is that there's more than one way to save someone. Right. And, um, or that like, if, you know, you know, the patient that they had in the middle of the movie who their afterlife was them going back and trying to like see his father in the hospital, visit his father in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, the like him fixing that wasn't like having this uh, like amazing relationship with his father. It was like, no, it was just like making the effort versus yeah. not making any effort. And I'm, it's not saying that this is like completely right and perfect and free of pain, but it's just like changing something you wish you could change. Totally. And I think that is so rich and interesting and it, it's such a a compelling payoff that I wish they had gotten to earlier because that was another yeah. part of what fresh was hard for me about it was like I said I wanted to like it because it's a really fascinating idea. I just felt like they spent so much time on the other side of that that it felt the ending felt kind of uh, rushed, and it was like, oh, by the way, 
you relive things over and over until you get them right or until you save somebody and you've been trying to save me a hundred times and all this stuff. Right. And it's, it's very, um, it's a really interesting idea that I feel like is enough of an idea for an entirely separate movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that it was kind of crammed into the end felt like it didn't do the idea like that justice. Mm, yeah. Um, so one thing, I think the most confusing part of the ending is the final scene um, where he ends up on the yeah. beach where Rooney Mara's son um, in a previous reality had drowned on that beach. Um, but in this very ending reality, Jason Siegel's character winds up there for some reason and saves the son and meets Rooney Mara earlier in the timeline than he normally would have. Um, and right. It, was he supposed to have been on that beach that day all those years ago, but just walked a different way or something? Like it just yeah, seemed like I transported. Now you're on a beach. Right. I don't think that, that makes sense from any of the science or rules that the movie has set up of why he would be there. Um, yes. And, and they certainly didn't set up earlier that he was like, I remember being on a beach one day years ago. Like there was right. no reason to believe he was in the same situation as before making a different decision. Right. So this is one of those things where I fully acknowledge that it doesn't make sense and I don't care at all because, <laughs> um, so the scene on the ferry where Rooney Mara's character and Jason Siegel's character are like, you know, figuring this all out and like, uh, and, and we as an audience are figuring out how this like afterlife thing works. And Jason Siegel's character realizes that like, okay, well, where am I going now? Because since we've, you know, since we, I've saved you now, am I just gonna, we're not, we're not going to do this again. Where am I going? And Rooney Mara's character is like, I don't know. Um, and, his character, you know, is like, well, I, I hope I remember you wherever it is. And she's like, yeah, I hope so, too. And he kind of wills himself to remember her, right? Um, I mean, that's the Im- impression that it gives in the final shot. Right. Which is, again, a very eternal sunshine kind of moment. Um, is like that willing himself to remember her. Um, and so, yeah, the impression that it gives in the t- final shot um, I think it can be interpreted in a lot of ways. You could interpret it as he remembers her and remembers these lives mm-hmm. and is going to go after her. Or I think my interpretation was he doesn't fully remember her, but just like throughout the movie, how he was experiencing all these like kind of deja vu moments. Right. And that's explained as like, you know, all these realities leaking into one another. Which I thought that was a cool thing. Me too. I Anytime you can like, explain away deja vu i'm gonna be on board yeah um so i took it the ending as it was another one of those moments and he like willed himself enough to have that deja vu which i think would also again spur a future romance in that timeline um i guess my what i'm leading all of this up to is even though it doesn't truly make sense the reason i still love it is because Ultimately, I love fairy tales, and my favorite kinds of fairy tales are the ones that don't look like fairy tales, and that's what I kind of view this movie as. You know, it's about these two people who are kind of fated to be together, and in every reality, they're finding each other, and um, even if that, like, doesn't really make sense, like, they're gonna, they're defying science in ways, because their connection and their love is so strong and pure or whatever. Um, and I totally get if people are like, no, that's bullshit. <laughs> this, <laughs> this movie doesn't make sense at the end. And to me, it's just like, yeah, it doesn't matter to me because I think this love story is so compelling. Um, yeah. So that's, that's how I felt at the end of it, even though I fully recognize that, like, I don't know... <laughs> how that science works out, but I, it's okay by me. So you loved the finale of Lost is what you're getting at. Um, I didn't watch Lost, but I did oh. watch the finale with you, Lawson, actually. Oh, and, that's right. And I did love that finale. 
Um, as a person who didn't watch the show, I thought the finale was incredibly beautiful. I loved it too. I may have had an entire bottle of wine by myself, but I did. I remember love that, that as well. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot we were there together. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I hear I hear what you're saying completely with that, um, and I think it is like a beautiful idea. And even though I don't think that I, I personally believe in like being fated for one person or anything like that. Um, I can really get into stories like that. Like one of my favorite movies is Slumdog Millionaire that has yeah. so much uh, about destiny and these two people like destined to be together and someone living a life that has taken him to know every trivial question that could get him to win this ultimate prize um, in a way that can only be explained by like this being where he was supposed to be when it was supposed to be. And I think there's something like really captivating and gorgeous about those kinds of stories. Um, and so I, the idea of that in the discovery, I think is beautiful. And I think, um, actors like Rooney Mara and, uh, and Jason Siegel um, are, would really be actors that I would love to see that play out. I felt like in this particular movie, there were too many things that, uh, took me out of it, whether it was the science they tried to apply to it or the pacing or the editing at the end. Um, but I can, I can still, I'm not immune to the sentiment within that. <laughs> and I think, I think it is beautiful, even though ultimately the way that it was presented didn't, uh, didn't work for me. Um, well, is there anything else that you feel like you want to talk about in spoilers, Lawson? Um, not really. It's really fun to see Robert Redford in movies like, the Captain America Winter Soldier and the Discovery and all this like more experimental, interesting stuff. I like he's an amazing actor. It was really cool to see him in this. Yeah. I don't think there's any other I think we've established that the science is kind of like sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, and I don't know if it's super interesting to get into the nitty gritty of that, but um but yeah, overall I uh the science and the the way it was put together took me out of some stuff, but mm -hmm. It wasn't so much that it made the movie not an enjoyable experience for me. I'm, I'm still really glad I saw it. All right. Well, that was our discussion about the discovery. Um, I'm really glad I watched it as well. If you want to find us online and if you want to talk to us um, privately in a direct message because we don't want to spoil other people about this movie, uh, about <laughs> the discovery, you can find us on Twitter at feelingitpod. And you can find me personally on Twitter at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. And you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Lawson West. Thanks for listening in, everybody. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yep. Move along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 